When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Dr. D here, popping in just to tell you about our friendly neighborhood painting gallery. The Painting Gallery with No Name is a friendly painting competition to encourage accountability to that pile of shame. At the end of the season, praise and prizes will be given out as a reward. At the end of the season, the Fury's Finest Discord will vote on two winners. These winners will get a prize, and then we will raffle out additional prizes to the remaining participants. We will announce the winners on the show and celebrate one of the best parts of the hobby. This season's theme is an Asgardian. MCP, 3D printed, or a Marvel board game will all count as long as they follow this theme. Remember, take a picture of your unpainted or lightly painted model, then paint the heck out of it. Take four photos of your freshly completed masterpiece and send us all five photos to furypainting at gmail.com by October 3rd to submit your entry. Make sure your five pictures have your name on the file so we know who to send the prizes to. Good luck and have fun. I speak for everyone when I say we are excited to see what you managed to paint. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast devoted to discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken and I'm joined every episode by my co-host Chris Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, I am awesome as soon as we are done recording i'm going to watch some she hulk we're gonna play some mcp later too. day <laughs> it's a great day buddy it really is and really excited to just just be in the flow of things with our mcp locally with our furious finest secret war league in full swing finishing up the sort of semifinals and finals and then we're back on the convocation again today, Chris. So last episode we did Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme. And that was a different character episode for us. It was really fun to revisit a character we've already done, but also take a different approach. And it seems like you guys like that. So that makes us happy because it's obviously something we're gonna have to do more of in the future with these repeat characters, right, Chris? Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it very much, especially when we get into uh Steve Rogers, you know, the original version. Oh, yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, that's original Steve super Rogers. Fun. I'm super excited for mid-30s experienced Peter Parker, you know, oh, and just yeah, examining man. one story there. Yeah. Oh, maybe, yeah, we could start uh, fielding suggestions for stories, but I'm going to be leaning towards something from the recent Nick Spencer run on All-Star Spider-Man, just, just personally. We'll talk about it off mic, but something to look forward to and speculate on. Yeah, I've got one as well planned that I think is pretty good. I think we're... Oh, good. Our, 
I don't think we're going to be hurting at all for Parker content. But yeah, I think a original cap is a great example, Chris, and it's why our show exists. We obviously did our cap episode. We did our strange episode about those iterations of the character we did initially. But now we're going back and doing these like character episodes like you talked about last episode with Supreme Strange, the character at a specific point in time. I find that very interesting. Oh, it's going to be fun and kind of ties into some of the recent MCP news, as a matter of fact. Uh, because that World War II era Captain America was on a team with the recently revealed original Human Torch, Jim Hammond. That's right. As well, uh, he was on that team with Toro, uh, another life model decoy like Jim Hammond, uh, also with the same powers. And Namor. Classic. Yeah, the jerk himself. The jerk himself, one of the first classic Marvel characters. And one of the pillars we have yet to see in MCP. Absolutely. Well, all that said, Chris, we're back in convocation today and we are talking about Kalia. That is the Sorcerer Supreme of the Dark Dimension. Yes, we're continuing our path of multiple Sorcerer Supremes back to back, which is very exciting. We started with Jericho Drum, who was the Sorcerer Supreme for a time. And we talked about Doctor Strange Supreme, which, you know, obviously the Sorcerer Supreme. And now we're talking about Clea, who's a different Sorcerer Supreme. I love this. I, I it's, it's, a, it's a connective tissue of the convocation that they're all Sorcerer Supremes at some point. It's true. And it's fun. Though Clea was not Sorcerer Supreme for long. Right. But, you know, being Sorcerer Supreme of the Dark Dimension is pretty cool. I mean, she was ruler of the Dark Dimension for a little while. Well, we're getting into all this. Sure. Well, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot to get into, but let's start right now, Jesse. Let's just get to it. Get to let's get to some business. Fury's Finest is supported by Discount Games, Inc. Go to DiscountGamesInc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at Patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy this show, consider supporting us with a monthly contribution through joining our Patreon and getting access to our patron-only Discord. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. This week, we have a very special shout-out. To our patron of the week, Matthew. Matthew, thank you so much for your support. Thank you, Matthew. And of course, Chris, we cannot do this show without our Avenger producers who get a shout out every episode. Thank you to Rusty, Dylan, Nathan, Brian, and Rich. It's the Illuminati now, man. It is. It's grown to the Illuminati. It's Love amazing. It. All right, Chris, let's get into Clea's history and lore. Well, Jesse, let's start off like we always start off. Quick overview of the character. Who is Clea? Clea is a native of the Dark Dimension. Clea is a Faltine, uh, though human appearing. Uh, she is from a different race, composed mostly of magic, uh, is my or magical beings, essentially. Yeah. She is Dormammu's niece and leads a rebellion against him. Oh, man. So cool. So uh, Clea is created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, and her first appearance is in Strange Tales, number 126. That's going to have come out in November of 1964, Jesse. Wow. I knew she was a Scorpio, though, bro. There it is. Could tell. <laughs> That's that early years of Marvel, especially early years of Strange. It's extremely uh I think important and notable. It, I mean, it's the sixties. So mm -hmm. this is going to go, it's the sixties all the way down, man. And so she is a debuts as a very supporting character. And for a long time, she's, she's nothing but just 
Doctor Strange mythos, right? Right. And as Doctor Strange lost prominence, Clea just kind of disappeared for a while. But let's start from the beginning. Clea makes her first appearance by observing Doctor Strange in one of his early forays into the Dark Dimension. Right. And because she's such an excellent judge of character, a Scorpio trait, (laughs) Jesse... I don't know why I'm on this today, by the way. Just forgive me. I'm not one of those people. Because <laughs> it's like, don't love me. Yeah, it's totally cool if you are, but I, I, I'm not. <laughs> but Strange is definitely not a Scorpio, I don't think. I don't even know what he is. I'll have to go back and look. I only pay attention to Scorpios because that's what I am. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> so because she's such an excellent judge of character and follows strange around for a while while he explores the dark dimension, she judges him to be of excellent moral fiber. And so she goes to him and asks for help taking down Dormammu. Makes sense. Soon they will become captive together. And the only way for escape and to win the day is for Clea and Dr. Strange for their spirits to inhabit one body. And that body would be Clea's. And after that, they would be married in the dark dimension. So this is not a legally binding uh, marriage in you know the real world or the Earth 616 real world. This is a dark dimension only. So my legalese friends out there, my my divorce lawyers, you know, please let me know how this is gonna work. Mm-hmm. Get at us. But Clea and Strange have been intertwined for the most part ever since she would become the Sorcerer Supreme while battling with Strange. Clea would be captured by Umar, her mother, and nearly killed. This is still very early on, folks. Uh, The Ancient One would come through, send Clea to a pocket dimension. She would be safe in that pocket dimension until Dr. Strange could come by and save her. And once again, very indicative. She is a damsel in distress, very little agency. She's a, an extremely early comic book, reoccurring comic book character. So powered hero. So lump her in kind of with wonder woman in that she's kind of blazing a trail here, but even early wonder woman didn't have a ton of agency herself. So Clea does not yet, but it is after this this dealing with Umar in the pocket dimension that Clea would flee the dark dimension and live with Strange on Earth. They are she is his apprentice, she is his wife, girlfriend. I mean, she she's here just to compliment him essentially. Uh, during a time when she is captured by a character named Silver Dagger. This is when Doctor Strange and Clea's spirits will inhabit the same body. But after this, Clea will start developing uh, more power. She's been studying with with Strange. She's developing her own agency. She's battling Umar uh, on Earth and eventually winning and taking the throne of the Dark Dimension for a time, which is pretty cool. Very cool. This is when Clea and Strange will exchange vows and become one in accordance with the laws of the Dark Dimension. But it is after this uh, that Dormammu will once again claim the throne of the Dark Dimension. So as Doctor Strange's popularity wanes, as we talked about in in his episodes, both of them, 
uh, in the 80s, they're going to have to figure out something to do with Clea. And the answer here is to have her stay back in the Dark Dimension to lead the rebellion against Dormammu. And she does. <laughs> and she just disappears for a while. Yeah. During the death of Doctor Strange uh, storyline, that is when she will become the Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, Doctor Strange kind of bestows that upon her as he is dying, which causes a lot of problems because that's not the proper succession, but it is what needed to happen in that moment. We know how Doctor Strange has a tendency to make unpopular choices in the moment that were the turned out to be the hard choice that was the right choice. Mm-hmm. Something that's very essential to his character. Clea would eventually help Umar and Baron Mordo to take the throne of the Dark Dimension, where she would then leave with their assurances that they would rule justly, uh, and she would return to Earth. Of course, they lied. <laughs> Uh, Dormammu's back. He has absorbed the powers of Umar and Mordo, and Clea's back to the Dark Dimension, right back to leading the resistance against Dormammu again. She's going to show up one more time before the death of Doctor Strange storyline. Clea is going to have been hiding out in Odin's Hall. Valkyrie will have allowed this to happen. But she's asked for a favor, and that is to re. re- Restore the recently deceased Annabelle Riggs to life. Unfortunately, this is going to really backfire. Annabelle and Valkyrie are going to end up inhabiting the same body as we touched on in our Valkyrie episode. So go back and listen to that if that is interesting to you at all. Clea is going to leave and join the Defenders. Mm -hmm. This is going to take us up to the death of Doctor Strange storyline with the Defenders. And that is essentially how she becomes Sorcerer Supreme. She's going to try to resurrect Doctor Strange. And of course, we'll have to see how that goes in another episode. But, you know, I really like to kind of talk about what characters represent and and what they've been and what they've been to Marvel in their existence. But I really, I really don't think Clea has been a whole lot other than a kind of accoutrement to mm-hmm. Stephen Strange. And it's really kind of a bummer because there's a lot of uh, ripe area there to explore, I think, uh, with such family turmoil, some real Game of Thrones things happening there yep. in the Dark Dimension. I think there's a lot there that you can explore. And hopefully someone will someday. Yeah, and her not being even wholly human, you know, like her being part Faltine, part humanoid. That's interesting in itself, you know, because just her early interactions with Strange and stuff are different because she is not, <clears throat> not only not human, she's not from his dimension. <laughs> yeah, diff- I mean, it's uh, yeah. very alien. It's it's like as alien as it can be. It's not just different cultures. It's different dimensions, you know? Like, yeah. that's wild. Yeah. So that's a cool basis for a character. It's something we've seen executed really well in some of the great episodes of Star Trek over the years. Great point. Next Generation comes to mind, you know, some characters that are that come out like that that are good for both characters, you know, good for our, our lead cast and also good for the alien person that they meet. So I find it very interesting, but like you said, she's a, mainly a bit part. And, you know, we have these characters come up every once in a while in MCP and we're, we're going to have them because the game is expanding all the time. Yeah, we're going to have a lot more as they, 
you know, give us the the big mainstays. There can only be so many Ironmans. There's only so many, right. you know, there's only Peter so Parker's. many tentpole characters for Marvel. And there's, I mean, there's still some big ones we have yet to get. Fantastic Four, which I was completely wrong on coming this year. Really big, kind of bummed about it. We still got Professor X yet to come. Yeah, Professor X, big one. Uh, that's one of the big ones. And uh, Namor as well. I mean, that's a huge, Namor's a huge character. Yeah. And that's going to be an exciting episode for all the reasons if we ever get to do Namor. But yeah, I think um, out of all the convocation members currently in the game, she has the least filled out story. And that's kind of where we're at today, you know? Just waiting for some up and coming writer to get a hold of her and really, really make this character, you know, catapult her up into, you know, the B levels and really flesh the character out. I think it's going to be cool. I hope it happens. You know, I hope it happens soon. Yeah. yeah. But it's, I think we're echoing a lot of things we talked about in our Dr. Voodoo episode where it's like, absolutely. We have these background characters that are so well designed and, and such have, and have such cool power sets that are not even B characters up until recently. Right. So Dr. Voodoo comes to mind. It's like he was gone for a crazy long time. Like you talked about Chris, yes. but now he's kind of getting closer to the B level where he should be. Oh my gosh. He's character. so cool too. Like, yeah. So it'd be cool to see Clea at least get to that C level or B level in the canon. And it seems like they're going that direction with her joining the defenders and this death of Dr. Strange storyline um, in recent time. I would agree. And like I said, uh, she's now shown up in the MCU. Yep. Albeit for just a second, it seems like she's going to be a main part in an upcoming film, uh, maybe going forward. So, you know, we'll see. The sky's the limit. Uh, it just just got to hope that the right creative team gets a hold of her and that Marvel really, you know, allows it to happen. Yeah. And Chris, you are professional. Perfect transition into our MCU discussion. She is, <laughs> you know, I guess spoilers already, but I mean, she's not a role in the film. She's a setup for the next film, as Chris mentioned. She is the after credit scene of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And she shows up played by Charlize Theron. Yeah. Not Theron. She's corrected people many times, even though the throne took off, you know, decades ago. And now it's kind of hard for her to shake it. But yeah, Charlize Theron. I don't care how you pronounce it. Perfect casting. I mean, it looked, it looked cool. Yeah, it looked cool. And then a actress that can totally capture this like alien and also human qualities, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, do it gracefully but also scarily you know which is I think, what awesome, we need to dude. do it's what we need it's what we need with clea absolutely someone strong character yeah she is super powerful i mean yeah she rules the dark dimension for a time <laughs> she rivals umar in power and i know that these are all mm-hmm. constructs for the doctor strange mythos which is not a super popular mythos so it's yeah. kind of irrelevant it's kind of all just mcguffin 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 but matters now though i mean it's in the it, MCU. it does like, and it will matter more more going forward especially if uh charlize can can really capture this character and you know robert downey jr this thing yeah i mean and even like be what we were just talking about one of those major b characters right exactly That'd be pretty cool pivotal to strange's story and so it's cool to see his story expand but also pivotal to learning more about the dark dimension which i want to see in the mcu which i feel like they executed so well in the first movie dark dimension stuff so now we're gonna get more of it very exciting so that's all we have about the mcu so far so one would assume she's in dr strange 3 when dr strange returns as they say at the end of the movie dr strange will return dr strange 3 so 
yeah, I'm looking forward to that Doctor Strange 3 involving Clea as a main cast member. But Chris, we got to close out our lore section like we always do. What comic book recommendation are you leaving for us today? The Death of Doctor Strange storyline. Death of Doctor Strange is... It's all brand new. It is Death of Doctor Strange uh, 1 through 5. There's a couple of tie-ins as well. There's the Bloodstone 1, X-Men, Black Knight 1, Spider-Man, White Fox, Blade. This is a great lineup. I've kind of spoiled some of it for you already, but... Mm -hmm. This is what we're going to read for Clea, and it's going to really get everybody caught up on current Marvel, at least the kind of mystical Avengers side of things. So let's do it as a group, everybody. Sounds great. (laughs) Perfect stuff. All right, Chris. Well, that leads us to the next place, which is Clea and Marvel Christ Protocol. So let's get over to Clea's strategy. Her name is Clea and her alter ego is Clea. She is a three threat model with a stamina of five on her healthy side and a stamina of five on her injured side. She's a small base with a medium move and a height of two like normal. And her defenses are pretty average. They're just spread out a little bit differently. They're two physical, three energy and four mystic. Anything stand out to you about this pretty basic stat line, Chris? That two physical defense is very scary. Yeah, it's a recurring theme for the convocation too, right? Yeah, especially as someone who kind of is just overloaded in physical attacks at the moment with my current right. teams. Yeah, even even physical attacks with rapid fires, right? right? Which is just crazy. Yeah, just salivating. Yeah, it's understandable. Four is cool on a three threat, but yeah, she's no she's no Dark Star who has three three four, right? Which is Man, very impressive. Dark Star is awesome. Dark Star is awesome, but Dark Star is my new crush, dude. Hey. I'm excited to get into her episode. She's yes, me too. I can see the crush material there, definitely. So, but look, Chris, let's talk about her attacks first. She has two mystic attacks. Starting with her first attack, it is the Demon Claws of Danak. It's a range three, strength of four, zero power cost mystic attack. After the attack is resolved, this character gains one power. So this is that gainer, not that builder. But if she gets it's a wild, tough. she triggers bleed. It is tough, but let's talk about. Why it's not terrible. It is range three. Very nice. And the auto gain one power with a character like this that has some really cool superpowers. Sometimes it's just safer. It's just safer. You know, it's like, you know what you're getting. Like, you know, you're going to gain that one power, right? Yeah. And you know that you're not going to be able to use that superpower for another two rounds. (laughs) So, (laughs) so you know what you're getting and you also know you're not getting it for half the game. (laughs) That's something we're going to talk about at the end of her discussion but this is definitely a support character and we'll talk about why and how to play her but i'll just close out her second attack here chris before we get into her superpowers she has a spender attack that's a mystic attack called the icy tendrils of ichthalon it's range four so it's a little bit more range than her her gainer and then has a strength of six power cost three this one's really interesting because it is six dice mystic at range four i mean it's kind of pricey but that range is why you're using this. And this is just when you're flush yeah. on power. And the coolest part about this is she gives out conditions if she gets the right triggers. So if she gets a wild, she triggers slow, gives the target character slow. If she gets a wild and hit, she gets to give them stun. So keep in mind these stack, right? So you're giving them slow no matter yeah. what, right? If you're, if you're giving them stun. I love the stacking part of this thing. Because, I knew you do. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's just win more. I know. Win more, not always great, but this Yahtzee, because what we haven't gotten to before I cut Jesse <laughs> off here was yeah. if you roll a crit, a wild, a hit, and a shield, 
you're going to get staggered. So every dice result, but blank and fail, of course, which you right. don't want e- either anyway. So, so but, get yeah. all one of each of the good ones and on six dice. You've got a <laughs> slow, a stun, a stagger all on the same character. I mean, look, her Yahtzee is very nice. It is very nice. And it makes you less apprehensive to spend power on the spender, yeah. even though most of the time you're going to spend power on her superpowers. But I find this very cool because these type of attacks we've always talked about get so much better with buffs from other characters. So if Baron Mordo's behind her and giving her more dice, yeah, thematically it makes a lot of sense that she can get this spell off all three sections of the spell off right on a target. Slow, stun, stagger. You're just debilitating a model with this. I mean, this is a I've been wrapping my heads around web warriors lately and like this is this is a web warrior killer or stopper card, you know, ability, yeah. which is very cool because it's mystic as well, which they hate. But it's um very dice dependent, which is not great. So this is one of those things where you just, you're like, you know, I'm fine doing a six dice spender. That's going to give them slow, you know, and probably stun. Like I'm, I'm totally fine with that. That's, that's nice. But, and I think that's where her power lies. I think that's why, mm-hmm. I mean, she has some really nice superpowers too, which we're about to get to, but I think that's one of the reasons you maybe take this character and uh, to just to fill out convocation. Yeah. Uh, she's affiliation as well. But it's one of the reasons you're not super mad about having to take this character, I guess. Because <laughs> you, yeah. you can potentially Yahtzee, and she does have a place in the meta, and that's against Web Warriors. Maybe it's only one place, but it is a place. Yeah, and she might have more place in the future, and I think we'll I think talk she about will in the future, yeah. In a bit. But Chris, you want to start off with her superpowers for us? Her first superpower is an active superpower. It is Descendant of the Faultine. It will cost you zero power. It is an action. This character gains three power. Roll five dice. For each skull rolled, this character suffers one damage. The superpower can only be used once per turn. This is cool. This is also bad. You (laughs) can potentially knock her out round one just gaining power. It's not going to happen. It'll happen to somebody. 99.9% chance it doesn't happen, but yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's going to happen at least once to somebody, but... It's not probably not going to happen to anyone listening to this podcast, but the fact that it's in the cards, that's scary. Yeah. I think some cool things to point out about this incredible name, the descendant of the fall team and this sort of that she can channel power from the dark dimension to her. Very cool. Because I'm making a direct game development card association here, which is, this is the exact same ability as red skulls, the cosmic cube, right? So he's, he's pulling power from the cube. She's pulling it from the dark dimension. The part that is rough for her, Red Skull's got a lot of health, Chris. He's got six and yeah. six. He's got six and six with good defenses. She's got average defenses with that blow average on physical, and then she's got less health. So it's really scary to do this on her after turn one. Obviously, turn one, this is an incredible thing to do with her, um, kind of right. set up your economy for the game. But outside of that, it starts getting scary if unless she is fully support role, which I think is what you want with her on that back point scoring for you. And then yeah, doing this type of stuff, but continuing with her superpowers and her support, this one's a little bit different, but it's pretty cool. Uh, she has an active super called Oster's mighty hand cost three power choose interactive train feature or enemy character, both size two or less within three that storm range. I love that. That's that mm-hmm. range three and throw it short. The superpower can only be used once per turn. So keep in mind, when malls are max distance three away and you throw them short, that is a long distance that they have to get back to you now. Very true. This is one of Storm's best superpowers, right? And Storm has the same issue, building power. So 
there's a reason this costs three because it's size two terrain or character. We've always talked yeah. about some characters have just terrain, some characters just have the characters, and some characters have both for a premium price. And that's what you're paying. You're paying three for either a size two character or a size two terrain. You're going to use this all the time because throws we know in this game are amazing. They can win you the game. And um, she has something that really no one else in the convocation has, which is a throw. So that's probably one of her best things on her card because no one else in the convocation has a throw. They have teleports and stuff, but don't have a throw. Being able to move last activate and move a character off of a secure with a three cost affiliation filling out characters pretty nice man like i know she catches she catches a lot of flack and i think for some good reasons but there there are uses man like you there are good things in this kit like you can get some really good use out of this character in the convocation and and you know and in defenders i think absolutely and we're gonna get more of that in a minute i just feel like people have a really hard time in this game sometimes they look at a card in a vacuum and they don't look at a card in its role in a team you know and this is a support piece mainly for convocation dark dimension and defenders and that's okay you know a model existing like that it's the same with lockjaw i mean lockjaw is great anywhere if you have a plan with him he's great anywhere if you have a plan with him but he's exceptional in in humans right and that's kind of the theme is right there you know and uh, Mm -hmm. it's okay for the game to have three threats that you have to have a plan with and i think lockjaw and clea are in that sort of bubble you know they're not all rounders they're singular focus pieces that you have a plan with well and i think that's great uh that leads to way more play styles Mm -hmm. developing uh, a lot more different gameplay patterns look i like this character let's talk about our next superpower because the next superpower is good okay okay. so let's get into her last superpower this is this is an active superpower it is vapors of dormammu it will also cost you three power Choose this character or another allied character within range three and place it within range two of its current position. A character can be placed by the superpower only once per turn. So if you're flush, you can get this off on three characters in one 100%. turn. Yeah, that's cool. That's super cool. Now, I think obviously people see this. They say, oh, it's locked jaws teleport, but it costs more. And it's like, yeah, you're absolutely right. But this the thing is here is. Lockjaw only really builds power through him being a good boy, which he you want him to right. do if you're playing him correctly. But he has to bite people to build power at range two. She can actually sit at that range three comfortably, just shoot the demon claws double, you know, and she got one power from the round. And no matter what, you're going to have three power every round if you're doing that sort of play cycle. We have so many teleports in the game now, Chris. It's it's just interesting that you can start looking at, okay, we got all these different teleport characters that play certain ways. Which one do I want if I want a teleport character? Exactly. Do I want- which one fits my team? Yeah, do I want Heimdall? Do I want Darkstar? And then you start looking at these very few characters that can do the teleports, honestly, because there are a lot of characters that can do teleports of themselves. And there's even the occasional characters like Supreme Strange we just talked about that can do themselves or other models, but for a very premium price. And then there's just these pure support characters like Lockjaw and Clea that you kind of want to have a plan with. And, you know, if, if, if all she's doing is throwing people and teleporting people and she lives and scores you points... You've played her well. It's not bad. And this is also, she kind of is begging for things like cosmic cubes, something to help her gain more power. Ooh, it's true, but it's scary with her low health pool. Oh, it's absolutely scary with her low health pool. But if you can get her to six, seven, eight, nine power round three, and you get that many teleports off or that many Oshthor's mighty hand. Yeah. Look, man, it doesn't matter if she dies next round because she just completely changed 
the state of the board by herself in, yeah. with a three threat model. I think there's something to that. And and like you said, you've got to have a plan with her. You can't just throw her on a team. No. Any team. This is a You also have to practice with her too. Exactly. You've got to get in reps. You have to have a constructed plan. Know what you're going to do. Know what her role in is role in the team is, where on the field she's going to be, you know, what kind of shape your your squad is going to want to be in and where she fits in that shape. And it's just she's not terrible. She's hard to use, but there's so much high upside in the right situations. It's it's it kind of reminds me of magic in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more, Chris, because she is a finesse piece, very similar to magic, but even more finesse because she's pure support. Closing out her card, she has a very cool immunity. She yes. has immunity to incinerate. And this immediately screams to me, she is a very cool piece in the dark dimension. She, that's one of my favorite places to play her thematically. And I think power level wise, because she can teleport Dormammu up. She can sit on that back demons downtown portal, not be incinerated, mm-hmm. which is debilitating for a character like her with low health getting incinerated. And she can just keep the support up all game for Dormammu and enable him to not take move actions and stuff, right? And that's the theme is on point, but also like the play style really makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Chris, I think we've talked about a lot of things about this character. Um, something we can talk about right now because it's another convocation card. Like we always throw these in at these convocation episodes because we're going to get through all of them by the end of this series. Yes, we are. I'm going to talk about the plane of Poldock today. Okay. A little bit less synergistic with Clea. It's actually more synergistic with some of these more aggressive characters like Strange or Voodoo potentially, but a very good card that you're going to see in Convocation. So it's Convocation active, says to be played during your turn. Any Convocation character may spend three power to play this card. Choose an enemy character, allied characters. So once again, allied characters, this is like Ironbound Books. A convocation member pays for it, but anyone allied on your team, this applies to. Mm. Allied characters may reroll any number of attack dice when making Mystic Attack against that target chosen character this round so this is a more niche dark rain and cabal but we know how good dark rain is yes we do this is dark rain just with only mystic attacks i love it so much this is a hulk buster (laughs) yeah right um this could be the one of those rounds like you focus hulk down hulk is a great example um just get rid of him or maybe one of those problem models that you just gotta remove off the board Mm -hmm. and you know i think people think about value a lot with these cards like people want to win a dark rain at the top of round and get every character to attack it sometimes it's just one of those things like i'm gonna attack a character two or three times and i gotta guarantee that these damage goes through and that's enough that's enough to get the value out of it very cool card Actually has some really cool synergy with Clea's icy tendrils of mm-hmm. on because she gets her triggers off. So in a weird way, it, you could use it a little bit as control too. You could put that stagger on that big character from her spender attack. I mean, oh yeah, out All of those rerolls. That's very nice. Yeah, so I I find it a very powerful convocation card, especially on the Trishan side of things, and it's something you're going to probably have in your tin most of the time. But yeah, I find it very cool. And um, once again, recovering more convocation cards as we go. But Clea, Chris, let's talk about the team she's in. So she is in convocation, which we've alluded to, and the defenders, which we've alluded to. I find this very cool. I think when defenders come back into the limelight, we're actually going to even see more of her because yeah. her getting to hex people and change her damage types at will with defenders if she can build a lot of power early game 
or even she's on a power generating objective, like you said, like cubes or infinity formula or something, it's really going to turn on that leadership. She's going to be a good support piece alongside strange and maybe even potentially that future defenders leader that's cheaper, you know? So I'm really excited about that, but also I've already mentioned and alluded to why I think she might be worthwhile in convocation, though I don't play her as much as some of the other characters. You take her in convocation for that round one teleport of an allied character. Yes. And that round one building up of her power. And then you also take her in convocation to actually have an affiliate character that throws. And those are good reasons alone. And then if you think about it, if her attacks hit on top of that, like you have some good dice rolls on her attacks, like you're just cruising with her. Like she's actually a good piece. But, you know, the problem is, is sometimes she gets left behind, just like Lockjaw. It's like Lockjaw does his round one stuff. He teleports people up and then he's kind of at the backfield and needs to kind of get back in the fight. And it's kind of tough for her. So I think the demon claws being range three helps a lot with that, but you don't want to get her in too close. That's where she just dies and (laughs) she can lose all of her validity. Yeah, absolutely melt. Just not very much health. And there are so many, so many physical attacks that she is just not going to be able to defend against. So yeah, you know, she's got a, yeah, she's got a place. She fits, she fits, but be careful with her. Be very careful. You don't put her in a fighting position until that ironbound books turn. You just don't. And that's okay. Like it's okay to have this support character, right? Wong is very similar, you know, and Wong is a cheaper support character. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. We sort of have a lockjaw that can hit harder, right? That's what this character is. It's just a lockjaw that can hit harder. And I find that very interesting. Lockjaw is just like the pure support and she support with a little bit of damage and a little yeah. bit of cool stuff going on with incinerate immunity and things like that. But let's also not forget, Chris, we, we mentioned up top, her, her gainer attack gives out bleed from range three. That's pretty cool. Like it's, it's unique. I definitely do not, do not hate that. And little pings opens- of damage. Yeah, yeah, that just, I mean, what? That opens her up for a, for a blade team, right? For the, be, to be the it. teleporter in a blade team? Take a shot. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Try it. Every time we say the bleed team on this show, every time we say rogue yeah. is our fourth <laughs> thread of choice. We should just be rogue's finest. Yeah, we should be. Yeah. <laughs> Marie's finest. Yeah. We, we uh, oh man. Yeah, the sugar probably, hour. The sugar hour. Yeah. I'm all for it. She's got cool stuff going on and she is kind of a hodgepodge character. Like she can give out bleed, she can give out slow, she can give out stun, she can give out stagger, she can throw, she can teleport, she can do red skulls, cosmic cube, and gain power. Mm-hmm. This is why you have to practice with her a ton and you can't overextend her because she is really hard to play. And yeah. I find that cool that she's sort of a a Swiss army knife character in her respective teams, in these sort of mystic centric teams. And um, we've talked about this many times in the game, Chris, we don't need to see every character be good in every team. You know, we, we, exactly. Sometimes a character just being affiliated and fulfilling a role is enough. And, you know, closing out this strategy section, I think her model is really good. She's floating on some some dark dimension terrain. That's pretty cool. And she has her hand out with sort of a dark dimension looking magic. It's very different from strange magic because it has like the little, the balls and the barbs in it. And she's kind of floating up on a little bit of magic as well. And uh, man, this costume, I know it's like very sixties, but I think it's aged really well. Like it's a really cool costume. Like it's well, sixties, sixties mod is in and also cool. Always in my mind, sixties <laughs> yeah. mod. Always yeah. It's, it's also just cool. But yeah, this, this model is cool. There's a lot of motion in the Cape. Her her pose is just kind of you can tell she's powerful. She's floating in on the fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like it a lot. 
So I actually think her model is a reason to play her more because I do think it's a good model and um, really fun. But I talked about Convocation. We talked about Defenders. I'll talk about Dark Dimension a little bit. Like I already mentioned, just playing her as a support piece in Dark Dimension on those maps that are up Main Street and have her on that back point, on that Demon's Downtown, on that sort of gamma, being the support behind Darmamu, I think is very cool and very strong. Keep her safe, but also she can just shoot from range with her range three and range four and just kind of support the rest of the team. On top of that, I think, you know, this character can work in teams that want some teleports and things like that. So, you know, if you just want a character that can do a round one teleport because she can gain power. So round one, she'll be at four power, right? And then she can teleport you for three and still have one power leading into the next round. So then the next round, she'll have two power and um, you just walk her up to a point, right? And that's kind of her round one. If you have a team that you like her in that position, that's a good place to bring her. So it's... It's not like the, any team that has a big model they want to deliver, you know, A-Force, Brotherhood, even Avengers with Hulk with that Steve discount on the on the teleport, right? Cabal, getting someone like Malekith or Modok up the table quicker. You know, th- these are things we've seen. And, you know, I want to see people experiment more, Chris, because like a good example is her and Cabal, you could teleport Modok or Malekith or someone up the board with Red Skull and you could teleport them up the table with her, you know? if you execute it correctly right and just ask questions of your opponent before the game's even fully underway it's it's a crazy thing but i think those are kind of her main places i also don't think she's a terrible inhuman because chris and i just talked about if she's flush on power because inhumans pass power every turn between each other if she can always have three to six power she's getting a throw off she's getting two teleports off right like or you know or even that type of situation i talked about just have her at four power and then double tap with her gainer, right? And you're now you're at six, teleport two models up the table. She's doing her role and it's very good. And I also find it very cool that she can help these bruiser models that um, don't have chargers and stuff that that need to be up the table a little bit more. You know, my, my, my mind always goes to getting Wolverine up the table. Mine too, Chris. Mine too. It's always Wolverine all day, every day. I know. That Logan life. Yeah. I know. We need to go to therapy or something. <laughs> right. but yeah it she's got a lot of uses especially for some clever out-of-the-box thinkers and players don't count her out you know give her a try play her in some casual games uh where you think she might fit and and try to get a feel for the character i i really do not think you will i don't think you'll regret it uh, whether she makes it into your regular 10 for convocation or what have you Mm -hmm. Just, I just think uh, wrapping your head around everything she can bring to a team is only going to make you a better player. Absolutely. And I think if you are passionate about this character and you like this sculpt, definitely play her. Um, oh, yeah, she's a great support sure. piece. She's a great support piece. And she just takes her a lot of reps. And, you know, sometimes, Chris, as you mentioned, displacement and stuff can win games. There could be a point in a late game somewhere where she's a little bit banged up, but she mm-hmm. could she could throw an enemy off a point and teleport an ally up and that could just close out the game. Exactly. And even there's going to be times where you're like, you know, Clea could die if I do descend into the fall team and I get some skulls, but also if she doesn't get enough skulls and I, and I net another teleport out of this, sometimes you're going to push your luck with her and do that because you're like, you know, if she dazes this turn, that's okay. But if she doesn't daze this turn, I get to get Hulk 
and X character up the board, right? With two teleports. And it's like, sometimes you're going to risk that too, but I wouldn't say risk it liberally. I'd say risk it when it's absolutely essential to like win the game or get in a position to win the game. But I just think yes. that round one, her guaranteeing having four power round one is a very strong opener. It's very strong. Very cool. um, she's also, something I didn't mention, but should be obvious, but it's less obvious these days because the card is restricted. She's an incredible character to use advanced R&D and enable your team because oh, round yeah. one, she can have four power around one of the game and you can just pass out four power to your team. And that's another interesting support role she can fulfill because she just gave your team a whole bunch of power. Um, something like Web Warriors cam- comes to mind. She just turned all the Web Warriors web lines on, right? So it's just, mm. it's stuff to think about that it's really hard to wrap our heads around because she is such a fragile character and it's it's risky playing her when you don't know how to play her. But I think she is valid to play and I want to see more of her in the game. And I think she's one of those characters we're just going to see more in the future. And that's future-proofing the game that AMG always does with us, I think. I absolutely think that you're going to see this character a lot at some point in this game's history. For sure. And that's what we want. It's very good. I agree. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Follow the show on social media and then online. Find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch at Fury's Finest. Email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com with any inquiries, ideas, collaborations. The list goes on. And leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice to help us out. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for the show's music. And like Jesse said, please help spread the word. Every little bit counts, and you guys are just so awesome. So thank you for everything you've already done, and I'm sorry that I have to keep asking you to do more. Yeah, and thank you, Spotify listeners. We see you. We're starting to see all these reviews pop up on Spotify, which is very encouraging because we know a lot of you listen on Spotify. If you haven't left a review on Spotify, unless your main platform of choice, please give us a five-star review because... It is helping us out a lot, and um, we're getting very visible on there because we're a gaming podcast that you guys listen to on a regular basis, and we're getting reviews. So it's showing up on gaming places and Spotify now, which is very cool. So thank you for that. Of course, you can find Chris and I online and follow us in different spaces. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. It's just a bunch of Tulsa stuff right now. Don't even worry about it. You know, I think my challenge to the listeners and myself is uh, get some games with Klee and Dormammu out there because the theme is fun. Yeah. And yeah, play that's... on Demons Downtown and don't be incinerated with either model and uh, teleport Dormammu up the board and hopefully get some uh, good dice on him and uh, make the Dark Dimension rule over the entire world, I suppose. That's your goal with that team. Those are your marching orders, folks. Try it and let us know how it goes. But we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We'll be back very soon. Thanks for listening. True Believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 